Imagine your new bathroom. A sparkling new tub, a modern shower conversion, a seamless new wall, all done in as little as a day. Introducing Bathfitter. Join over 2 million customers delighted with our one-of-a-kind remodeling process. No demolition, no mess. Guaranteed for life. Installed in as little as a day. Book a free in-home consultation at bathfitterpodcasts.com and get our best offer of the year right now. Bathfitter, 35 years of better bath remodels. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. This is your host, Pamela Clark, and you're listening to Education in the News. As usual, as usual, we have a lot of news stories to cover, so let's get right into it. This is from the Ohio Department of Education's News Clips and State and Local Education News. The Cincinnati Inquirer, Inquirer asks the question, will summer learning programs survive once pandemic relief funds goes away. North College Hill is one of dozens of districts across the region using federal funds for extended learning programs that educators say benefit students academically and emotionally. Most believe kids will need several years of interventions to come back from the negative impacts of COVID-19. On top of the typical summer slide, we've always seen in students, but when the money stops coming, will kids get what they need? Cincinnati Cincinnati Inquirer also reported that electric school buses, a way for districts to clean up diesel-powered fleets. The Clean School Bus Program, funded with $5 billion from the Historic Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, will allow hundreds of school districts to begin the transition from dirty diesel-powered buses to zero-emissions electric ones. This is a huge step toward cleaning up the nation's iconic yellow school bus fleet. School districts and eligible contractors in Ohio and across the nation can apply now to Clean School Bus Program to receive a rebate covering the cost of as many as 25 new electric school buses or the price differential between school buses and diesel buses. The rebate can be used to install electric bus charging infrastructure. The Columbus Dispatch reports that Jim Sotler resigns as Canal Winchester School Superintendent. Jim Sotler was, has resigned as Canal Winchester School Superintendent to become CEO of Ohio-based META, Solutions effective August 1st. The district announced in a letter to families. Sotler notified the school board of his resignation June 24th. The letter stated, The board plans to meet during a special meeting in the near future regarding, quote, the best path forward for selecting the district's next superintendent, the letter stated. 
Canton Repository reports that Jackson students get out of this world experience with NASA Art Project. This is one classroom art project that is out of this world. Students in Lindsay Fuzier's fourth grade class at Strasser Elementary School during the past year were asked to create artwork to adorn the outside of NASA satellite that will be launched into space. For more than a year, organizers and students had to keep the project under wraps as classrooms across the United States create the artwork for the first kids' art show in space. Uh, the next bit of news I have from you comes from Smart Brief on Special Education. Uh, Fort Worth Star telegram in texas reported that or asked the question are bilingual students in special ed missing out students with disabilities who are bilingual may not receive all the services they need in the language they are most familiar with some say say some educators and parents in texas though the state law requires the students receive both special education and language supports if they are required Monica Santiago of Disability Rights Texas says lack of awareness of service availability and inadequate communication between service providers can lead to students failing to receive all of their required services. Oregon Capital Chronicle in Salem reports that Oregon provides mental health training for educators. The Oregon Department of Education launched the Well-Being Information and Strategies for Educators program to help educators support students experiencing mental health challenges. The free online training, part of a national program, includes guidance on identifying young people in need, teaching responsible decision-making, as well as strategies for de-escalation. Bear with me for a moment as I bring up the next story. Uh, the 74 reported that studies find disparities in school discipline. Black students and students with special needs have disproportionately faced school discipline during the coronavirus pandemic. According to recent New York University study, Richard Welsh, an assistant professor at New York University's Steinhardt School of Culture, Education, and Human Department, development, who wrote the study, calls this one of the, quote, the most urgent civil rights and social justice issues in education. I can see his point on that. Um, I know I've seen a lot of unfairness just even out of the coronavirus pandemic when it comes to students with special needs. I mean, rarely, rarely, I I know it's going to be touchy when I say this, but rarely students in special needs get even what's on their IEP or everything on their IEP. So I know it's very frustrating for parents to have to face issues like this in general. So I can only imagine how much worse it's gotten since the coronavirus. And they certainly use that a lot as a crutch of why there's a problem when there was a problem before coronavirus came. So, things that stick out to me. 
Okay, Medscape reported that study associates childhood allergies with ADHD and ASD risks. A study published in Pediatric Allergy and Immunology found that allergic re- or, I'm sorry, allergic disorders in early childhood were associated with increased risk of developing attention deficit hyperactivity disorder and, to a lesser extent, autism spectrum disorder. Researchers also noted that the presence of at least one allergic disorder presented significant increased risk for ADHD or both ADHD and ASD, while early diagnosis of rhinitis presented the highest risk for developing ADHD, followed by conjunctivitis. The next story I have from you is from Fee, and it is titled... Oh, wait a minute. I thought that was the one I wanted. It was not. Let's go to this one. I do have some other fee articles, but uh, let me do some more news stories. Um, this one's going to be from ASCD K-12 Leadership Smart Brief. And this is from Chalkbeat, and it says Colorado District Considers raise for teachers and staff. Teachers and school staff in Aurora, Colorado could see their salaries raised 8.5% on average as the school district attempts to better attract and retain educators. Union members and the local school board are scheduled to consider the salary agreement next month. K-12 Dive reports that a program is aimed at supporting men of color in classrooms. A South Carolina school district is working to recruit and retain more teacher, more male teachers of color through the Premier 100 program. Superintendent Baron Davis, who spearheaded the program that now is now supporting the second cohort, writes in his commentary that the final phase is to elevate more men of color into the classroom. Chalkbeat in Philadelphia reports that students with visual impairments soar with support. In this question and answer, educator Sharita Jerkins discusses how, with the right support, students with visual impairments can excel and thrive academically. In addition to using assistive technology, Jerkins, who teaches students in grades 4 to 8 at the Overbrook Educational Center in Philadelphia, says she helps students connect with lessons through art and music. Education Week asks the question, what are the effects of chronic absenteeism in schools? Chronic absenteeism among students and staff has increased at many public schools since the beginning of the pandemic in 2019-2020 school year. Federal data shows Besides issues of missed lessons and overworked school staff, absenteeism can damage the relationship between students and educators, says Hetty Chang of Nonprofit Attendance Works. Yeah, I would say that's the least of it, right? 
Oh, anyways, um, Ed Source reports that school educates support students with serious illnesses. The Marie Wattis School within the University of California at San Francisco Benioff Children's Hospital offer a full-service education for students who require care for conditions including cystic fibrosis and cancer. It even holds a prom. The school provides stability and continuity for students during an otherwise tumultuous period in their lives, says school head Julie Pullman. That's nice. What do you think of that? I'd love to hear from you. Share your comments with us. Okay, this is from ASCD Smart Brief. CNBC reported that more schools offer personal finance education. A growing number of states require or are considering requiring high schoolers to take take a course in personal finance according to the next-gen personal finance, which reports 7 in 10 public high school students had access to a semester-long personal finance course. In the 2020-2021 school year, students enrolled in such a course at a California high school learn about budgeting and careers, debt, investing, and saving. I want to remind the audience that uh, New Heights does have a financial literacy course on our school.newheightseducation.org that is free. Yeah, you just have to join uh, this our membership for our site, though, but that's $6 a month. Okay. The Heckinger Report says that a study seeks to understand good teaching, in quotations, There's likely to be a trade-off between good teaching that is effective and teaching that students find enjoyable. According to an analysis by researchers of the University of Maryland and Harvard University, the researchers studied students' math test scores and teacher evaluations and found that teachers who were better at raising scores received lower evaluations and vice versa. I could have told them that a long time ago. Okay. Okay, let's see. I think this is a repeat. Boy, a lot of repeats in this one. Okay, Higher Ed Dive reports that a college board quietly changes AP data it publishes. The college board used to publish a state-by-state breakdown of students' advanced placement scores, which included demographic data. However, it appears that the College Board has quietly discontinued the practice of releasing demographic information and has scrubbed all such data from its archives, but it still posts other AP data. I've seen that happen across Ohio, and and not just on the placement scores, on the the school's grades, because schools get grades too, and all of that's being scrubbed. Um, I'm pretty sure in all states, but I know for sure in Ohio I've seen it. So it's really fishy. I mean, they can blame it on the pandemic, but um, (laughs) they're happy to do it. And the schools are happy they're doing it because they don't have to, you can't find it. You just, I mean, I know what our local grades were for the, the school's grades before COVID, you can't find any of that stuff anymore. 
So if you didn't take a screenshot or a screenshot or a photo of it or a, save it as a PDF, that information has been wiped as well. So, and that's all even pre-COVID that they've removed. Okay, let's see here. Um, got to switch again. Okay, this is from Candid uh, from Philanthropy News Digest. It says, David Runyon awards $4.2 million to top cancer research investigators. The 2022 cohort of five early career physician scientists re receive $600,000 each over three years, and three scientists will receive continuation grants of $400,000 each over two years to support patient-oriented clinical research that is critical to finding cures of cancer. And moving to Miami, Griffin makes a $130 million parting gift to Chicago. After the after decade sorry, after decades in the Windy City and six hundred million dollars in giving, the billionaire founder and CEO of Citadel Hedge Fund has made gifts to 40 major institutions representing the fabric of Chicago as he prepares to move his family and business to Miami. We're going to have to take a quick commercial break, and I'm going to be right back. Stay tuned. Hello, listeners. If you're enjoying the New Heights show on education and want to support or donate to our organization, please visit www.newheightseducation.org. And while you're there, check out our online store. Hello, welcome back to the New Heights show on education. You're listening to Education in the News. And I'm Pamela Clark, your host. More from Philanthropy and News Digest. Uh, California Endowment commits $1 million to transgender programs. The pledge is aimed at raising public awareness and evaluating the focus on health, economic, and educational disparities facing the transgender community. And UPMC Children's Hospital received $2.5 million dollars. The gift will enable the hospital's Down Syndrome Center to establish and endow the center's medical director position, add a music therapist, and provide endowed funds for the music therapy program and behavioral health resources. And LSU, Early Childhood Education Institute, receives $5 million gift. The gift from Diane Goyette and her husband Henry will establish the Diane Topes or TAUPS, Goyet Research and Engagement Fund in Early Ch Childhood Education. Diane Tope, Goyet, profe Professorship in Early Childhood Development, and Di the Diane Topes Goyet Graduate Student Scholarship. Bear with me. Okay, the, the next story I had came up actually on Facebook. I'm trying to open it. <clears throat> this was shared um, by Christian Broadcasters Network. 
actually the Christian Broadcasters Network. And it says our goal is to provide children an education where they have biblical worldview so they can go out into the world and be salt and light. So it says that New Christian School gets 2,500 applications as families flee public education in droves once in a hundred years moment. Um, if you want to read the whole story and listen to the video, uh, you would go to www. I'm sorry, let me start over. Well, you know what? Just type in CBN News, and and then you can type in the new new on Curiosity Stream. This bear is walking right at me. We'll see if he wants trouble or not. Follow filmmaker Casey Anderson as he gets an unprecedented face-to-face -face look at Alaska's fiercest carnivores on the Tracker's Diary, Bears of Katmai. Plus, why is a tiny island in the Pacific one of America's most crucial outposts? Discover the truth behind this mysterious Trans-Pacific stopover on Extremity's Wake Island. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. At One Day University, we feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly scholar newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. Christian school gets 2,500 applications, or tw or you could even just type in 2,500 applications. Something it should bring it up. It's written by Tara Merginer. Um, Merginer. It's M-E-R-G-E-N-E-R. -E -E it says um, Middleburg, Virginia, nestled in the rolling hills of northern Virginia, sets a sprawling tree-lined campus classrooms inside the shuttered private school sit empty. Once busy halls are eerily silent. Each room looks like a time capsule of better days, but not for long. Quote, after much prayer and discussion with our elders and pastoral leadership, we will be launching Cornerstone Christian Academy, said Senior Pastor Gary Hamrick. Hamrick got a standing ovation after making that announcement during recent Sunday services at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg. The campus is about 20 miles from Cornerstone Chapel, the church that will open the school in the fall of 23. Initially, there will be enough space for 500 elementary and middle school students. Quote, they have classrooms, desks, there's a gym, a cafeteria down the hall. We're going to repurpose it for the Lord, said Hamrick. There are also plans to expand to school and online learning. Our goal is to provide children an education where they have a biblical worldview so they can go out into the world and be salt and light, he said. The multi-million dollar project is Hammer's, Hamrick's response to what's playing out in our public school system across the country. Loudoun is considered the face of the nation's culture war for more than a year. Parents have railed against everything from sexual assault on campus to critical race theory and transgender policies. Teacher Tanner Cross's dismissal for refusal to call students 
by preferred pronouns became the last straw for Hamrick. Our kids need an alternative. We have to ourselves as a church get engaged. What we can do to help give a Christian-based, Christian biblical worldview education to our children. Uh, Abby Platt, who saw three children suspended for not wearing a mask at school, even though the state mandate was lifted, applied immediately. Quote, LCPS has lost our trust and we really want our children to be in an environment where they can focus on literacy and learning instead of indoctrination, said Platt. Loudoun County has been subject of much controversy that Pastor Gary knew there would be a demand locally. What he didn't expect is to hear from parents in at least 27 states eager for their children to attend. Cornerstone has been inundated with inquiries and not just from parents. Teachers went out of public schools too. By the end of the week, we had over 2,500 students pre-registered. I got over 450 emails from teachers wanting employment. The overwhelming response mirrors what appears to be a national trend. Nearly 2 million students left public school between 2020 and uh, 2021 with large numbers now enrolled in Christian education. Before the pandemic, many Christian schools struggled with low enrollment. Now there are waiting lists. One of the things that come out of COVID was parents were looking over the shoulder of their kids as they were taking online classes and realizing some of the stuff that's being taught was against their values, even if they weren't Christian, said Hamrick. E. Ray Moore, founder of the Conservative Christian Education Initiative, calls it a once-in-a-hundred-year movement. Quote, it awakened many people, the Christian churches and some pastors, to recognize that it is our responsibility to provide Christian education or our children, not the government. The Association of Christian Schools International is one of the country's largest networks. It's seen double-digit growth since the pandemic hit. The Association of Classical Christian Schools has added some 10,000 students. The number of homeschoolers are doubled. A new Christian school are popping up all over the country. Quote, We're seeing a resurgence of homeschool co-ops, a hybrid homeschools, and learning pods. Churches and communities and cul-de-sacs of people are becoming very creative in what is a good quality Christian value-based education, said Daryl Jones of Herzog Foundation. With many public schools um, my, uh, and many, I'm sorry, with many public schools, the controversy, interest in Christian education is expected and keeps rising. Quote, it's definitely part of the revival that I hope sweeps across the nation in different ways, not just in terms of schools and education, but what is happening in our churches. The sleeping giant has been awakened and parents begin to realize when their kids' future is at stake, said Hamrick. I'm going to share that... Um, Well, let's see. I want to share it on uh, the New Heights Facebook group. 
Um, I'm going to share it in there and then probably in some of our subgroups like our homeschool group and charter school and traditional school group. Just FYI, find it on Facebook. Okay, Philo uh, Philanthropy News Digest reports that Yerba Biona, or Biona Center for the Arts, I know I said it wrong, <laughs> launches Guaranteed Income Program. Convened by YBCA and led by six San Francisco arts and culture organizations dedicated to economic justice, CCCGI will implement an 18-month $1.3 million guaranteed income program focused at San Francisco artists. And AAUW awards $6 million in fellowship and grants to e-student debt. This year, 320 fellows and grantees will receive support to alleviate the student debt seen as a key contributor to the lifelong pay gap that disproportionately affects women, particularly women of color, across the professional professions. The University of Pittsburgh and Oxford University receives $40 million. The commitment from Pitt alumni and Rhodes scholar David C. Frederick includes $35 million to help pay for multi-generational community at University College at Oxford University and $5 million outright for Pitt's Honors College. I did want to let you guys know about a, a few things. Um, uh, I am personally speaking for HACOA um, Tuesday, July 12, 6 p.m. It's pre-recorded, but I'll be talking about well, the world of education, what's, what's out there for families to, to participate in and, um, you know, to, to learn about. So from courses to just about anything um, to do with education. So you may want to look that up. bringing up uh, the fee one I think I was trying to bring up earlier. Um, this one is titled Why Government is the Biggest Obstacle to Educational Freedom. It's by Carrie McDonald. And hold on, I'm opening it all the way. And it says school choice policies aren't the only ways to expand education options and access. In Massachusetts, where this writer lives, an average of private school tuition hovers around $23,000. For secular private schools, the cost is typically much higher, with Boston area private school tuition often exceeding $40,000. This price tag is way too high for most families to afford, but emerging micro schools are typically a fraction of the cost of other private education options. For example, the Wilder School is a new Acton Academy-affiliated microschool that costs about $12,000 a year, while Life Rediscovered, a new homeschool resource center offering up to five days a week for full days, drop-off learning costs about $10,000.
even established local micro schools such as Bay State Learning Center that is founded in 2014 and that I wrote about in Unschooled have similar tuition costs and frequently offer financial aid or sliding scale tuition. These tuition costs are too high for many families to afford, but they are more accessible than many other existing private options. Supporting the creation and growth of more microschool programs through deregulation or deregulation, excuse me, and by removing entrepreneur barriers would cost would reduce costs even further. Today's education reformers who are interested in expanding education options typically focus on school choice policies that redistribute existing taxpayer funding of education to families to use toward approved education-related expenses, including tuition. These efforts succeed in weakening government control of education and providing more learning options to more families. As the recent introduction of universal school choice in Arizona demonstrates, they should be commended and replicated, but the school choice policies aren't the only ways to expand education options and access. Encouraging the pro- proliferation of private, low-cost microschools, hybrid schools, and learning pods is, a, is an important and overlooked opportunity to offer more low- and middle-income families more education options, options without taxpayer money. This is the key emphasis in James Tooley's excellent book, The Beautiful Tree, where he describes a vast network of small, low-cost, unregulated private schools that he discovered in some of the poorest slums and most remote rural villages in India, China, and throughout the African continent. And these places where parents were astonishing poor and government-run schools uh, were often readily available and conveniently located. The parents instead chose unregistered private schools for their children. So um, you could read more about that article. And um, yeah, it's kind of lengthy, but you can read more about it yourself by going to fee.org and typing in uh, why government is the biggest obstacle to educational freedom. But we will be having it um, on our social media and in an upcoming magazine as well. Okay, just a moment. So the next one I have for you is from FIA as well. It says, New Harvard Study. Homeschoolers turn out happy, well-adjusted, and engaged. you believe Harvard said that? Well, they did. Um, <laughs> actually... This is from November 17, 2021, but it's being recirculated. It was written by Carrie McDonald. And uh, it says researchers at Harvard University just released findings from the new study showing positive outcomes for homeschool students. Writing the Wall Street Journal last week, Brendan Case and Ying Chen of Harvard Human Flourishing Program concluded that the public school students were less forgiving and less apt to volunteer or attend religious services than their homeschooled peers. The scholar analyzed data of over 12,000 children of nurses who participated in surveys between 1999 and 2010 and found that homeschooled children were about one-third more likely to engage in volunteerism 
and have higher levels of forgiveness in early adulthood than those children who attended public school. Homeschool children were also more likely to attend religious services in adulthood than children educated in public schools, which the researchers noted to be correlated with, quote, lower risks of alcohol and drug abuse, depression, and suicide. You can read all about it, again, by going to fee.org and typing in the title. Just type in New Harvard Study. And, uh, but again, it's from November 17, 2021, so it's older, but still relevant, I think. So you can check that out. And um, you can always send us your thoughts and comments. Okay. We have some repeats here. All right. Uh, WMU. R TV in Manchester, New Hampshire, um, says that New Hampshire to start teaching genocide and Holocaust history. New Hampshire will begin a program in schools throughout the state this fall that will teach middle school or above students about genocide and the Holocaust. Governor Chris Sanuunu signed a bill in 2010 that created the commission to figure out how best to teach the topics and in May of this year, the school board reviewed the commission's findings. WSET-TV in Lynchburg, Virginia, says that a Virginia district is to share digital maps for emergencies. A Virginia school district is preparing digital building maps that can be sent to phones and computers of law enforcement and other first responders in the event of an emergency, including active shooters. The maps are expected to include building floor plans and high-resolution imagery. The Heckinger reports uh, re reported that schools pilot efforts to drive inclusivity. A group of school districts are piloting four projects aimed at supporting inclusive innovation through the Digital Promise League of Innovation Schools Center for Inclusion or inclusive innovation. One pilot program aimed at improving secondary reading and writing in districts in Texas and Arizona is nearly complete. This is from ASCD K-12 Leadership Smart Brief. And this was reported by District Administration. Ideas on using an intern program to train new teachers. Enlisting in community partners to create an intern program can cultivate the next generation of teachers and create a pipeline to help schools fill vacancies, writes Loretta Butler, intern coordinator for the Putnam Northern Westchester Board of Cooperative Educational Services in New York. Butler describes a program that places graduate students in classrooms as interns where they get they get on the job training and create relationships with local schools. Okay. This is from Smart Brief on EdTech.
The journal reports that tips to establish space for esports in schools. Esports can help to engage students and support career and technical education and teach lessons in STEM and literacy, according to Christina Counts, Vice President of Education at MIEN Company. In the blog post, Counts shares five steps to help schools establish their own esports space. WBUR FM in Boston says that universal free school meals end as inflation rises. The universal free school meals program, which automatically qualified every student to get access to free food for the last two years, has ended. The program will revert its focus back to students and families from low-income backgrounds. And X. Or I'm sorry, KXAN TV in Austin, Texas reports that a gaming app developed to improve adult literacy. The Barbara Bush Foundation was has worked with the Dollar General Foundation and Southern Methodist University's Game Lab for the last few years to develop an app to improve the literacy of adults called Enigma. The app focuses on phonetic comprehensive comprehension skills and and though it was created for adult readers it can be used for younger struggling readers we need to take another quick break and we'll be right back stay tuned right now you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them you might be worried that you may not finish high school there might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough well the new heights educational group begs to differ We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group, educational resources to help reach your goals. At One Day University, we feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly scholar newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Welcome back to the New Heights Show on Education. This is your host, Pamela Clark, and you're listening to Education in the News. Let's get right back into it. Still lots to share. So, Kate, or I'm sorry, gee willikers, I keep messing up these TV stations. Uh, WDAM-TV in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, reports that program aimed at smoothing transition to 7th grade. Students may be nervous about making the move to a new school in 7th grade, but the Hedges Around Youth Program is aimed at alleviating those worries for some students in Mississippi. 
The free program created by educator Dorothy Hamilton of East Jasper School District is designed to prepare students for the more rigorous curriculum and give them a safe space to ask questions about their new school. And WRTV in Indianapolis reports that uh, Indiana program helps students put behind by e-learning. Helps them. Uh, Marion County hopes to help students who struggled with e-learning catch up with the Indy Summer Learning Labs. The Indiana Summer Program focuses on English and math, features physical education activities like STEM labs and free meals, and tracks students' progress with assessments at the start and end. A lot of repeats again. Bear with me. Yeah, lots of repeats. <laughs> I think there was like one, one article out of right seven in that one that um, was uh, not a repeat. Okay, Philanthrop Philanthropy on the News Digest reports that OHSU receives five million dollars from Burkhart's for Food Allergy Center. The gift will support startup costs for the Berghart Food Allergy Center, including a new endowed chair, research, clinical tri trials, and enhanced clinical services. Ohio Ed updates from the Ohio Department of Education, state and local news. The Highland County Press reports that more than $450 million in school construction projects are approved by commission. The Ohio Facilitates Construction Commission of OFCC today announced the approval of more than $307 million in state funding for five school construction projects. Combined with $151 million in local funding, these projects represent more than $450 million in public construction works. And uh, WKYC reports that Brexville elementary school students honored with EPA President's Environmental Youth Award. Five students at Brexville Hilton Elementary School have been honored by the Environmental Protection Agency for their project to help save the monarch butterfly. The monarch butterfly project seeks to help inspire community members to help the butterfly in its migration through Cuyahoga Valley in Northeast Ohio. The Highland County Press reports that U.S. EPA recognized Ohio Educator with 2022 Presidential Innovation Award. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, in partnership with the White House Council on Environmental Quality, was awarded the Presidential Innovation Award for Environmental Educators to Amy Boros, a teacher at the Hall Prairie Intermediate School of Perrysburg, Ohio. WDTN reports that DPS test scores recover from the pandemic learning gap. The latest data in preliminary Ohio State tests results and indicate that Dayton Public School District is returning to pre-pandemic academic achievement levels. The most notable test scores increases can be seen in kindergarten through third grade, which is a result of academic recovery efforts implemented through the 2021 2022 school year, according to a release. 
And the Business Journal Daily uh, reports that camp empowers girls to join STEM careers. Interest in math and science wanes as girls hit middle school, but local STEAM organizations are stepping up to keep that from happening to local students. The YWCA in Mahoning Valley teamed up with the Oh Wow, the Roger and Gloria Jones Children's Center for Science and Technology. The Mahoning Valley Manufacturers Coalition and the Vista AST's Invent to Make program for the Y Girl Steam Ahead Camp. Columbus Dispatch reports that Canal Winchester Schools Assistant Superintendent Kaya Hunt poised to succeed Jim Sotler. The Canal Winchester School announced July 7th the board has a preferred candidate to succeed Superintendent Jim Sotler, who is resigning effective August 1st. We were talking about him at the beginning of the show today. See how much more time we have. Still have some time, so let's see. I have some more from Smart Brief on EdTech. Repeat, repeat. Um, Education Week um, shared how inflation inflation affects schools' bottom line. Rising inflation and interest rates are creating challenges for schools, including by raising the cost of capital projects, salaries and benefits, and fuel for transportation. However, for districts that invest a portion of their reserve funds, they could see a better return on those investments. Hmm. Um, okay, yeah, I'm going to skip a few here. Um, just looking over a few things, see which repeats. Okay. Middle web on Smart Brief. Repeat, repeat. Okay, the Washington Post reports that absenteeism, student misconduct rises. I think I have shared this before, um, but this is an update, obviously. Um, It says more than 70% of schools report an increase in chronic absenteeism during the 2021-2022 school year. According to data released Wednesday by the National Center for Education Statistics, Findings also show an increase in behavior problems, with 56% of schools reporting more disruptions due to student misconduct. Now, a lot of repeats again. The 74 reports the schools care corp supports needs of whole child rocket ship public schools in california is a network of public schools launched a care court during the coronavirus pandemic as an extension of its community schooling model which supports the whole child and their family on and off campus 
In this commentary, Marcella Gallero, executive director, uses the care corps as an example of the transformative nature of community schools. And WMUR-TV in Manchester, New Hampshire. Oh, we already read that. That is the announcement about genocide and Holocaust history being taught there. Mm. United Press International reports that a study estimates that ASC, I'm sorry, ASD prevalence among U.S. youth. Researchers estimated the prevalence of autism spectrum disorder among children and adolescents in the U.S. to be 3.14% in 2019 and 2020 overall, suggesting that the rate was higher than reports from previous years. Based on 12,554 children and adolescents, ages 3 to 17 percent, the findings published in JAMA Pediatrics also showed that the prevalence of ASD was higher in boys and those from low-income families. That reminds me of um, something that I received the other day. I've not time to check it out, but I trust the person that shared it. Um, shared that since COVID has happened, that it's that there's new reports of autism spectrum disorder, and they believe that it was linked to the vaccines, and it almost doubled what or the numbers from before the vaccines were given. Again, I have not checked that out, but I do know that it's circulating. And I trust the person that shared it is um, certainly something to be considered and to be looked up if you have time to do that. Or if I come across more information, I'll share it on a future episode. But yeah, very interesting thought that I wanted to share with you. A Politico reports that New York City Mayor retains authority over the city's schools. Just minutes before the authority of New York City's mayor to control the city's school system expired, the New York governor, Kathy Hochul, or Hochul, signed into a law a bill that extended the power for two years. Hochul, or Hochul, didn't sign a bill phasing in class size reductions over five years. Well, they need a place for all of the, the new people to go, don't they? K-12 Dive reports that organizations comment on Section 504 updates. The U.S. Education Department's Office for Civil Rights is preparing to update regulations in Section 504, the Rehabilitation Act of 1973. The department asked for public comment which included a letter from 36 organizations, including disability rights advocates, school administrators, who are seeking better alignment between Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973 and the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act to protect the rights of students with disabilities. An AgriPulse reports that USDA directs almost $1 billion for U.S.-produced food for schools. 
The U.S. Agricultural Department will distribute $943 million to state agencies to support the use of U.S.-produced products in schools nationwide. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack said the funding will help support students' access to mills and comes at a time when schools are facing supply chain challenges and rising food costs. Uh, Philanthropy News Digest reports that a new global corporation in response to Ukraine war. As the war in Ukraine continues and hopes for a quick end to hostilities fade, the philanthropic community is looking beyond the horizon, reassessing early efforts and planning for an unclear future. And the USC alumni commits $15 million to university's history department. The gift will endow three faculty chairs, establish a faculty research fund, and create a graduate student fellowship and name the department after the Van Hoonick family. Social Finance starts partnership with Clinical Research Fast Track. The Career Impact Bond is designed to help people facing barriers to employment including immigrants and refugees with impressive medical or science degrees earned outside the U.S., find careers within the growing clinical research industry. Okay, bear with me for a moment. Got a little bit more time. Um... This is from Fee, and it was written by Brett Cooper. It says, alumni organizations are pushing back on woke campuses and battle for free speech. Alumni at some of the nation's most prestigious universities have come together to take a stand against the recent trend of blatant censorship and assaults on free speech and higher education. When Davidson College senior Maya Pelaya um, was asked about her greatest college memory, the first-generation immigrant answered, I don't have one. In August 2020, the interview with Charlotte Observer, Pelaya, the president of Davidson Chapter of College Republicans, described her alienating college experience, quote, Because of my political affiliation, it led to not having friends, said Pelea, who received a full merit scholarship to the highly respected North Carolina Institute. Quote, and because it led to not having friends, it led to not having a fair reputation on campus. So I've been essentially outcast due to my political views. Pelea's work with National Republican leaders earned her a spot as an alternate delegate for the Republican National Convention in 2020. In addition, during the COVID-19 lockdowns, Pelea organized a significant and well-attended rally in Charlotte, North Carolina, to urge politicians to reopen the state. Though she was proud of her work, Pelea's efforts were met with hostility from students and professors at Davison's campus. Multiple hit pieces were Written about Pelea, published in the school's widely respected newspaper, The Davidsonian. 
One classmate wrote the Pelea and other reopened protesters believe that individual lives, particularly those who are black, brown, and disabled, or fat, or low income, are expendable for the sake of America's oppressive capitalist machine. An ironic statement, considering that Pela herself is a first-generation minority. Though the campus reopened to in-person classes in the fall of 2020, Pelea chose to finish her degree online because the threats she received were so severe. The main reason I decided to attend virtually is not entirely because of the COVID-19 outbreak, but because I'm afraid of being targeted. If students have written these articles about me in the few months of being off campus, says Pelea, imagine what they will do to me on campus when they see my face and see me walking around. Pelea is not the only free-thinking student who has faced harsh discrimination at the national-ranked liberal arts college. And when the Davison administration refused to step in and actively support the students, concerned members of the Davison alumni community began to take note. The iLiberal track record through the small and prestigious college has produced a United States President, Woodrow Wilson, multiple senators, a North Carolina governor, and 23 Rhodes Scholars. Davison College has recently garnered a dismal rating for free speech. FIRE, the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, has labeled the school a red-light institution, indicating that its campus policies and practices substantially inhibit free speech. The organization has given the school the lowest ranking in its measurement system for failing to institute safeguards for openness and inclusivity. In response to FIRE's negative rating, rating, and to the experiences of outspoken students like Pelea, a small group of Davison College alumni formed the Davisons for Freedom of Thought and Discourse. Upon their creation, this alumni group began using their resources and sway to bring intellectual diversity back to the campus. And they are not alone in this cause. You can read more about that on Fee. We're running out of time, but uh, just type in alumni organizations are pushing back on woke campuses and battle for free speech. How sad is that? What What are your thoughts? Um, I think every student has the right to speak their mind and should be protected. Every single one of them, especially with the amount of money that families. I know that she got a, a scholarship or a full ride. But still, somebody paid for that. She should still be protected, and they should—they should have stopped those those articles from being published. That is absolutely ridiculous. I feel very sorry for her. That is not right for a young person to have to face something like that. So, I appreciate you listening to my show today. I want to remind you um, of my show airs on Wednesdays by 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And our Civil Rights Show with Barbara Bolin airs on Sundays by 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, Thank you, and uh, until next time.
We hope we you hope enjoyed, you enjoyed today's, today's show. show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings.